Hey, Maniacs, just a quick listener's note about this episode. The episode we're going to talk about this week, Father Brown, Season 1, Episode 3, The Wrong Shape, deals with themes of suicide and infant death. We are not going to dwell on these topics, but if you're especially sensitive, you might want to take care while listening. And now, on with the show. Varma's like... He's just jumping, jumping, jumping. It's Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Every week we dig into an episode of a show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week, Father Brown, The Wrong Shape, Season 1, Episode 3. I am Mark. I'm Sarah. Ooh, this is a heavy episode. We're going to do our very best not to dwell on any of the darker themes. Yes. You know how we do. Yep. We, we choose the, the stuff that is okay to make fun of, and then we make a whole hell of a lot of fun of it. And that's yes. what we're going to do. And this is a spoiler podcast, and if you let your kids watch the show, boy, there would be a lot of questions if a young kid watched this show and then listen. This episode, yeah. And listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> it's November. The time where we start to slow down a little. (laughs) (laughs) Just like last week, I'm looking outside. The leaves are orange and red and yellow and beautiful. Halloween is put away. I'm ready to start baking cookies and thinking about Christmas presents. I have my new favorite hoodie on that I don't take off anymore. It's like your whoopee hoodie now. It's my whoopee hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) Like your security hoodie. Oh. I like that. I've never known you to have a piece of clothing that you wore that often. It's it's wonderful. I've got my around the house cardigan mm-hmm. that I have on right now. Yeah. That I like because it's got pockets, uh, but it's got big holes in the elbows, so I can't wear it to work. This is also <laughs> my favorite kind of weather because I'm crazy Canadian, because I can wear shorts and a sweater. Because you're weird. <laughs> it's awesome. You're so weird. Are you ready to talk about the wrong shape? Yes. Original air date, the 16th of January, so uh, 2013. So all five of the first episodes were shown in a week. Like they showed them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. So, so this was Wednesday night? This was Wednesday. This was the, the midweek. Woof. That was a tough one. <laughs> yep. Directed by Dominic Keevy and written by Nicola Wilson. This is once again one of the stories, but I read based, the, based on an original story yeah. from Father the Father Brown series. Yeah, I read the first page of it and I was like, this is nothing to do with this story. <laughs> <laughs> I do not envy the writers having to try to pick and choose bits and pieces from one of those original stories and shoehorn them into this series. And get this into Kemblford and get Lady Felicia and Mrs. M, Ms. M, in, M in there. Yeah. And and this one I think was probably especially challenging. The themes in are important, but they're just not our kind of themes. Yeah. But there's enough Looney Tooney bits and pieces in here that we're going to have some fun with this. This is definitely them trying to figure out theme. Yeah. Well, tone. Yeah. Tone. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This is not the show that it is now in season 11. No. But if you're a Midsummer fan, which if you're not, hello, you should be. Yeah. You probably saw some, some familiar faces. 
Yeah. So Ramon Tikaram, who plays Umesh Varna in this, yes. he was in season 18, episode four of Midsummer, A Dying Art. Yes. Where he played a very fancy artist. Yes. And then Ruth Gemmel or Gemmel, I'm not he sure. He gets killed in that, doesn't he? Uh, he's the one who gets hung up on the wires, I think. I don't remember. Okay. All I know is he's having an affair with somebody and he's rather cold hearted about it. Yeah. <laughs> and he wears a scarf. It's a great actor. Um, Ruth Gemmel or Gemmel, who plays Martha, in yep. this episode was in two Midsummers, okay. one in season nine, The House in the Woods. Okay. And then again in season 17, A Vintage Murder. Is she one of the people who gets killed at the first of season in the woods? No. House in the Woods? No. no. Okay. She's actually in the episode. She's okay. not just a cameo dead okay. person at the beginning. Okay. Lately, she's been in Bridgerton. So if people yeah. watch Bridgerton, they probably have seen a lot of her. Mm-hmm. I tried Bridgerton. I could not get into it. I know people really love it, but... And then Robert Cavanaugh... I don't have a problem with it. I just no. don't like sh- you, shows like You that. don't like period dramas like that. Yeah, and the whole... Like, some people are like, it's period, but they play crazy music and stuff. I'm like, I've seen a Baz Luhrmann joint. I don't mind it at all. No, that's not it. That's not it. It's just not... The plots are not my kind of plots. No, they're not. And then Robert Cavanaugh, who plays Leonard, uh, was in A Midsummer in season 23. He was in The Black Trees Prophecy. Oh, okay. Cool. So some familiar faces. Yes. As soon as I saw Umesh Varma at the very beginning, I'm like, Midsummer. <laughs> Plus, who prunes trees wearing white? I don't. Uh, he 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 sits. He sits in the grass wearing white. When he, sits, he even gets wet wearing white, and he still stays clean and tidy the whole episode. I don't know how he does it. When he's making the little altar thing, yeah, I'm like, you're sitting on grass, dude, in those white pants. Grass stains galore. Yeah. I, and this is when bleach was bleach. This is what this is what we think about when watching these episodes. You're gonna ruin your clothes, dude. So this is and this is the typical cold opening. Run, 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 run. Sir Leonard, Mr. Leonard, sir, Mr. Leonard, sir. I saw something terrible. What did you see? I it, saw, it, we think it's gonna be a body. Yes. No, no, you're gonna die later. You're going to die later today. Ah, okay. <laughs> then it goes into the. The, the beginning. So. Father Brown is auditioning new organists for the church. <laughs> That's got to be painful. So I did want to say <laughs> that this part reminded me a lot of what my mother sounds like when she sings in church. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just a certain age of lady who sounds just like that yes, when they sing in it's church. it's a certain age. Now Loud that, and proud and out of key. Yep. And that, that hymn, I didn't look up the number because it, that melody is used in at least two or three different hymns. Mm-hmm. That's the, the great Anglican church tradition of, we got this hymn that we like the sound of. Let's put some so different we'll put words to it. Five different sets of music of words to it. Well, based then the on organist whatever. only has to learn yeah. one song. Yes. <laughs> It's Andy. It's efficient, Mark. It is. It is. And I know he's Catholic, but it's. I was raised in the Anglican Church. So. Catholic light. Catholic. It's very much Catholic light. Well, as soon as Lady Felicity shows up and says, want to go to a poetry reading? He's, he's like, yep. Yep. I'm yep. out of here. <laughs> Any excuse. Was, what's her name? Mrs. Pettiford or? Something like that. The, yeah. the little old lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she won a contest. <laughs> They ask for local organists because she can clearly play. Yeah. But she's playing off off rhythm on purpose and yeah. singing. 
<laughs> her little hat and everything. So the Leonard wants Doc, uh, Father Brown to come mm-hmm. because he has a secret. No, he just wants him to hear his horrible poetry. And his wife, who is listed as a shut-in here, they say she's a shut-in. And that she never leaves the house. So then there's this strange mention of Lady Felicia's finishing school? Yeah, because Violet, the mistress, okay, says... I almost went to your finishing school, but my dad said I didn't have anything to learn. <laughs> Slapper. Slapper right there. Okay. So she needs to be slapped so many times. <laughs> our principles arrive. Tripper, knock her over. I don't care. Rip off her bendy dot. You don't wear a bendy dot and a 50s skirt with a big petticoat underneath it. No. That is not a cultural mashup that you should be sporting, lady. Yes, with Madonna gloves. <laughs> That's true. She does have like a virgin gloves on. <laughs> Our principals, Father Brown. Mrs. M. Mrs. M. Lady Felicia. Uh, Lady Felicia. But we, we have an important thing before we get there. They're going to the house and they're riding in the car. But who is driving the car? Not Sid. Not I don't know who that Sid. guy is. So she has two <laughs> chauffeurs? Or she has Sid and then she has the Sid fill-in when Sid's not around? I guess. Where's Sid? I don't know. That's what I said in my notes, too. I'm like, yeah. oh, where's Sid? I have it highlighted in green here. Where is Sid? If they're in the car, Sid should be driving. Yes. So, I do, though, like, I know that this first season they're really struggling with tone and trying to shoehorn in the the, the stories, but I love what they do right away with the comp- the competitive nature of the relationship between Lady Felicia and Mrs. M. Because what? Mrs. M wants to be Father Brown's favorite, and she's so judgy-judgy. And then Lady Felicia can just sweep in with her grace and style and upper-classness and take his attention away. And so they're constantly like snapping at each other. So so Mrs. M says, oh, I'm sure it's one of your highfalutin cronies. Yeah. And then when Felicia says who it is, Mrs. M's like, oh, can I come too? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I thought it was a highfalutin crony. I thought you wouldn't want to go. So Jude told us that Mrs. M is the voice of the 50s. Jude is, uh, if you don't remember, she's one of the writers of the series that we interviewed a while back. And then Lady Felicia is all, like they're both listener, viewer analogs. Yeah. Which is great because you get the the dichotomy of the viewer and the listener. Mm-hmm. In, in at the same time. Because mm-hmm. that's all they're there for in this episode. Yeah. Because they, con- they don't contribute anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're there for facial reactions. In this, this episode, I notice especially, there are a lot of Mrs. M and Lady Felicia. Side by side, scowling. <laughs> Give the person a line, for gosh. <laughs> and... Like, all I could think of was, okay, so these situations, television and film is not done in real time, right? You Nor don't, do they shoot the scenes in order. They even. don't shoot yeah. the scenes in order. So, Sorsha Cusack, that's her name, right? Sorsha Cusack, yeah. Sorsha Cusack has to sit in that room and look at the camera and go, hmm, <laughs> 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 Until the director goes, that's the one. That's the one. That's the judgy scowl I want. That's what I was looking for. No, more snobby. No, no, no. More persnickety. Mm, 
Puckery face. There we go. Yes, yes. And that's that's not a funny bit that we're doing here. That goes on. That's what she's doing. That's, and that's what how happens. they filmed it. Yeah. There's a reference to Christian Jor here. Yeah. Yeah. The he, fashion designer. He was actually alive, I think, at this point. <laughs> Didn't he live? No, that was Lagerfeld who lived for such a long time. Yeah. They meet Mr. Harris, the lawyer. Yes. And he hands Lady Felicia his card. Did you see the date on the card? That's his address. No. Do you think it's his address? I thought I, it was the date of the founding of the firm. 1942? 1497. Oh, it's got to be a street address. Okay. That that would be like crotchets or something. It's going way back. Monty's a client also. He hands her his card. And, you know, we know Lady Felicia is always ogling the fancier men. He's fancy. But then he turns her off completely with one phrase about Monty's wealth and how it's better to enjoy the spoils. I'm sure you've earned it. And she hands the card back. Yeah. Like, you can keep it. Jerk. Yeah. So at the house, there's the lawyer. Mm -hmm. Mr. Harris. And then there's... The uh, Mr. mistress. Yeah, Violet. And then the mister and the missus. Mm, and Varma. And Varma. Mm-hmm. There's Martha and Leonard and Varma. This is an episode that suffers from too few people. It's very, very small cast. Like five people. V- Valentine doesn't have to go through many people before he gets the right one. No. And, you know, it starts out with five people who are not regular characters and one of them dies. So yes. then it's down to four. It's, I down mean, to it's four. really pretty. Cut and dried. Like Valentine. It happens in an afternoon. You could see Valentine thinking, he's like, well, Father Brown's the lead of the show. So, so he didn't, he do, didn't it. do it. Mrs. M no, isn't no, a killer. Lady no, Felicia no. has a hurt ankle, so it's not her. No. Okay, so it has to be one of these other four. Yeah. <laughs> They've been invited to the most traumatic painful poetry reading ever and but, but yet there is a variety of methods of trauma and pain <laughs> it's not even like one flavor of awful and they are alone because the train from Paddington was canceled how many more people do you think were supposed to be there to hear this awful doggerel and like there are more trains from Paddington oh uh, you know what those people they lied. They said, oh, the train's canceled. Sorry, can't come. Because <laughs> they knew what they were in for, wouldn't you? Okay. So, oh, Violet. Just such a sweat. Shake her. Shake her, shake her, shake her. Okay. Have you ever read poetry out loud yes. in public before? Yes. yes. Yes, we both have. Mm-hmm. I took a poetry writing class. Yes. That I barely passed. <laughs> My poetry was better than Violet's. I can say that. <laughs> I I read one poem in front of class and was told by the teacher that maybe I should stick to prose. I was much better at it. Ouch. No. In front of everybody? No, 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 oh. no, no. She was she was she was a great mentor and said you did what I asked you to do, and you said you weren't going to be very good, and and you're not. You should go back. You know to yourself very well. Prose is very much better from you. No, I remember all my poetry was real angry. Yeah, like I wrote the the one about the the devil with the fanny pack and stuff. Yes, <laughs> I was always just trying to lash out at people with my poetry. Violet's poem doesn't have any semblance of structure. No. 
The rhyme is loosey-goosey. I don't know if it's supposed to be couplets or not. It's all about her having sex with Leonard by the stream, which is offensive enough. But then it's so trite when she says that I can't help but fidget as I spy the band of gold wrapped around his digit. Like, did you use your rhyming thesaurus? Before that, she goes, alas, alas. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot take it back. I have to tell you. Anne compares them to otters frolicking in the sand like a ball on fire. What? I have to tell you, the moment that she said buttocks, (laughs) I immediately thought... Of Forrest Gump reading this poem. <laughs> Buttocks. And it becomes much more interesting. <laughs> if he wrote it, it would be okay. Yeah. It would be funny. But she's taking herself really seriously. But like, what point is she trying to make? Yeah. She can't rub it in, in Martha's face anymore that she's sleeping with her husband and wishes they would get divorced. So, so I went to a poetry reading in my undergrad. I just remembered this. And it was done by a guy who was a couple of years ahead of me in the English department. Uh, and everyone called him Moose. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a very nice guy, super nice guy. And he wrote these list poems that were really interesting, like three things of this and four things of this. Like he wrote these structured poems around numbers and lists and things like that. He had a to-do poem too. But I remember... There was a poetry reading that at least two and I think three women got up and left (laughs) because Moose had outed things about them. Oh, in the poetry, he he was kissing and telling in his poetry. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it kind of gives the game away if you get up and leave. You may as well go, That one's about me. I'm out. (laughs) There's no denying it then, is there? Yeah. So, Violet's poem is lascivious at best. That's a flattering way to describe yes. her poem. It's, yes. it's just schlock is what it is. Yeah. But then Leonard's poem, I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's visceral and painful because it's about the death of their child, about he and Martha's child. All this poetry, even though in... And, and wait a minute, I got to ask you, when you heard the poem the first time, do you remember how you reacted to his poem? Did you know what it was about when you heard it? They did a very good job of making it sound sexual at first and then dark. Yeah. And that that worked perfectly. Well, there's something about some kind of hot white shooters. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you're like, wait a minute, this just took a turn. What? Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he knows what sex is, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he knows. But it's whoever wrote it, whoever wrote both these poems did a great job because yes. Violet's is is wonderfully bad. Yes. And very well done as a bad poem. Well, it 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 upsets um Maybe they got some high school students to write hers. Like <laughs> it upsets Varma enough that he's like, I must go build a raft. Yeah. Now that I've heard him read the the very painful, hurtful poem, I, he's certainly going to die. <laughs> And Leonard pulls Father Brown aside and says, Take care of my wife. Take care of my wife. She's one of yours. If something happens to me. Okay, he doesn't say it like he's in the Wild West. No. She's one of yours. (laughs) Take care of my wife. If some varmint takes me out. (laughs) That's how you said it. Yeah, I did. (laughs) 
And we also learned that he used to be a doctor on Harley Street, which means he was a successful doctor. He wasn't just any old GP. He was a high class doctor. Well, we also learned that if you're a man, you're a hypochondriac. That's what Lady Felicia says. That's weird. It was so weird to say. Yeah. Because the stereotype is that old man will be like, oh. I don't need to go to the doctor. I know my arm is dragging behind me on a thin thing of skin, but I don't need to go see the doctor. I'd say it says more about her experience. Yeah. The specific men she's been around and what they're like. Do you think Monty is a bit of a hypochondriac? I wouldn't know. He's never around Ever, ever around. No, he shows up. I know. Eventually, but, but not barely. right now. Leonard is so concerned that Martha is so unhappy. Yes. And yet he doesn't do the first thing he could do that would immediately improve her chances of being happy, which is to get that moron out of their house. Yeah. Like, how, how can he be that stupid? I just don't know why she's so upset. Well, they're going to create a copulation center. I mean... A levitation, a levitation center. I mean, a meditation center. <laughs> so, like, so, dude, so. all you have to do to get the ball rolling is get Violet out. Yes. That's going to help right off the bat. But she'll pout or pass out. I don't care what she does. Yes. As long as she does it somewhere else. She does know her stuff about the yoga, though. What she says here that about the sutras, that's all. Does she really? I don't. Or she, does she, she just know what Leonard's she, told her lately? Yeah, she probably just knows. I don't know what he sees in her. I don't understand what that relationship is supposed to be about because he seems, well, we know he's educated. He's intelligent. He's not the best person. Okay. We'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. But it's salacious. She's, and she's, she's vapid and horrible. And, eager and not his wife. I suppose. But there's a lot of women who would fit that category that aren't her. Oh, I know. I know. Who I might think, have a little bit of class. I think. Maybe he's run into problems because he got hooked up with her. I was just, the first time I saw this, I was waiting for the moment. And thank God this moment never came where she says, I'm pregnant. Yeah, that would have added a whole nother yes. level of complication. It would have absolutely done that. Okay, I, I have, have a, a question. Oh, I have a question for you. You okay. asked first. Go okay. ahead. My question is, can you draw, uh, can you grow tropical plants in England? Yes, how? You'd be surprised what they can grow there because it's actually very maritime. Okay. There's not that much fluctuation in their temperature. Okay. That's why Q is there. Okay. I mean, they do have hot houses and stuff. Like they don't have palm trees. No, but you can grow quite a bit. Can you can you grow a pineapple there? What about coconuts? Probably no, not not without a greenhouse. Okay. But but you can you can grow things like rhododendron. That would die in the frost here. That's true. And Parsons Pink, which is a rose. But I have a better question okay. for you. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Mine's controversial. Okay. But related. Okay. They go for a walk. Yes. To give Leonard and Martha some space. Yes. And Mrs. M takes a cutting from a plant. Yes. Is that theft? Yes. Why, wow, you didn't even think about it. Yeah. It doesn't kill the plant. No. But it's still theft? It's theft if you want to be a persnickety bastard about it. And certainly if she came on the property with that intent. Um, it, She brought her snips with her. She did do that. Because <laughs> they use them later to cut Leonard down. She's got her pruning snips with her. Oh, I hate. In her bag. I hate that part. If only she had, you know, 
like a little dish of potting soil in there or rooting <laughs> hormone to wrap do, around the base of the cutting. I do, I do, <laughs> do recognize this is an estate, mm-hmm. though we don't know where he gets his money. But like, how do they get lost? I would have been like, the house is right there. I think I think Mr. Harris kind of leads them around purposefully trying to, and you don't know, they might have a maze. Who knows? But Old ladies' purses are kind of amazing. Yes. Mrs. M definitely comes prepared to take some some trimmings. Yes, she does. Some cuttings. I have a note here that says, is Violet crazy? <laughs> <laughs> does your your mom's older? Does she carry strange things in her bag? Or did your grandmother carry strange things in her bag? No, they were very, very regular ladies. My grandmother's purse was amazing. We called it the McDLT bag. Do you remember the McDLT? Yes. There was one side cold, one side hot. Yeah. It was a hamburger from McDonald's that came in a container that had had two separate compartments. Yes. So that the like lettuce, tomato, and onion were kept separate from the the hot hamburger and the cheese, and you put them together to eat it, right? Yes, back when they were in styrofoam. If people don't remember that, I have to explain it. My grandmother's purse had two big big sections in it. Yes. And we called it the McDLT. Because every time we went out to dinner, she would fill it with leftovers from the meal. Uh, you see, that's that's the problem. My mother and my grandmother never went out for dinner. <laughs> so she would take every condiment packet on the on the table. Salt, pepper, sugar, yeah. everything. She said, if it's here, they intended for us to use it so I can take it. So she had every sweetener and seasoning you could imagine in her bag. So if you needed them in another location. You never know when you might need it, right? Never know. Some sweet and low or whatever. But she also had Ziplocs, little sheets of foil. I mean, everything she needed. And if it was warm food, she would pack it away and put it in one side of her purse. And if it was cold, she would put it in the other side of her purse. It's fantastic. (laughs) She also carried sweetener packets in her bra, too. So, you know, she was... Yeah. She was different. <laughs> she was awesome. Poor, so I'm not really surprised that Mrs. M has her pruning shears yes. in her purse. <laughs> the poor kitty cat. You mean the tripping hazard? Yes. Because <laughs> they only find it because Lady Felicia goes ass over tea kettle got, tripping on it. It's got white stuff around his nose. It's the cocaine cat. <laughs> Can you t- I, I couldn't even tell what part of it that was. No. Father Brown just pokes it with his umbrella. Like, but then he, he at least says a prayer for the. the that poor. cat was just inside, yes. hissing at people, and now it's stiff. Yeah. So we're supposed to believe that Leonard snuck away in that time and poisoned it to see what the dosage would be for a cat. Did you do any uh, research on that plant? No. <sighs> okay. First Nor of, did I do any research on poisoning cats. First of all, if you're intending to kill yourself, does it matter how much poison you intake? Yes. Okay. Because you don't want to take an inadequate amount. Okay. There is nearly a no amount of this poison that is inadequate. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at it, you drop dead. Very close. Mm. So the whole cat thing is um, jiggery pokery. Unnecessary, huh? Yeah. It's just a tripping hazard. I know that at one point uh, in my yard, I grew castor plants because I thought they were beautiful. And my next door neighbors tried to force me to cut them down because of the castor beans. Yeah. And that's what castor oil is made out of. Yes. But it's also what ricin is made out of. 
Yes. I was like, but do you know how much you have to refine it to get it to that point? I'm not doing that. And if you eat the bean, you're not going to die. Yeah. It's it's more like if you eat the bean of this plant, you're going to die. <laughs> if you lick it, you're you're dead. Yeah. Like because they have a whole Plus, how poison he, garden. There. How can he? Okay. How can he know that? Oh, it's enough to kill the the cat. It could kill me. Like, are you a cat? Well, Do you weigh the same as a cat? No. He probably said the cat weighs ten pounds. I weigh two hundred pounds, so I must take twenty times the dose that I gave the cat. Quickly. He is a doctor. Okay. He's also the worst human being on the planet. Well, yeah. For another number of reasons. My one I want to talk about right now is if I ask you to model for a picture for me (laughs) naked for days. You better be painting me. I better be painting (laughs) you, not my wife. (laughs) How pissed must she be? (laughs) Violet uncovers that painting and it's just Martha's big face looking back at her. (laughs) I'm like, what could, what could be worse? It could be, it could be worse if it was Violet's naked body with Martha's face on it. (laughs) (laughs) No. Martha's body with Martha's body with the cat's face. (laughs) Or Martha's body with uh, Violet's body with Harris's face. <laughs> yeah, so it could be worse. But I think I'd be pretty mad. Oh. I'd be like, wait a minute. Well, that's, she has a right to be Why mad. was I laying there cold all that time uncovered? Yeah. When you were just painting something else. It is a nice painting of Martha and all of her anguish, though. It is a nice painting. But the, uh, like there is a the weirdness of... Them finding Leonard's hanging, and we'll, we'll get through this as quickly as possible. They all, and I don't know if this is intentional, but they all show no emotion while Violet shows over emotion. Yes. And I don't know if that's intentional, but it sure feels I like. I think it is because it shows the impact he had on everybody around him. Varnan, Varman expected him to die. Yep. Saw it coming. Martha is so heartbroken that she has no emotional reaction. Harris hated him anyway. Yeah. And Violet falls apart. Well, you know what this episode needs? Smokey the Bear. <laughs> Otherwise Sm- known as Valentine. Smokey the Valentine. <laughs> Poor Valentine. They, they're clearly like, there's a meeting. How can we get Valentine more character development? We'll make him smoke. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet you this is the ep- only episode in which he smokes. Probably, and he, he smokes like in every scene almost, and then it, it's just done. Because like stuff like that in 2013, I bet you had to be approved by BBC head office. Probably, but they probably have clearance for things that are set at different time periods where it's more acceptable. Maybe. Um, Like the undercurrent of racism in this episode. (laughs) They probably had rules like, as long as it's not a child, it's okay to smoke and things set in the 50s. However, if you go back to like Dickens era, even kids can smoke. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Because that's that's how it was. I love how I do love how Valentine quotes the Bible back at Father back Brown. at Father Brown here. Gee, well, Father and, Brown's always telling him how to do his job, and so. they're far more collegial here. Yeah, he's like he softens it. He's up. like, uh, you're involved in this. I can't really tell you to leave. Yeah, <laughs> like, you were here when it happened. You're here when it happened. Literally, and this is the second time somebody has died while Father Brown was basically in the house. Yeah. He's the killer. <laughs> Him and Joyce have it figured out. Huh? So then I'm off on my one of my wild goose chases because there's a scene in which Valentine tells a sergeant to tell the doctor that he can leave. Yeah. There's that weird hand on his shoulder. That on Valentine's shoulder? On Valentine. No, on the sergeant's shoulder. Oh. That we've decided is Father Brown. I don't know. Maybe some, I think it's either Father Brown or the Doctor? No, why would he tell him if he was right there? Why would he tell uh, it's the... It's weird. There's, somebody puts their hand on the sergeant's shoulder. But it's not Valentine's hand. No, he's looking at Valentine. Could his arm be like <laughs> out of scene and back in? <laughs> Valentine is now Mr. Plastic. Yes, he's got super stretchy arms. <laughs> And then that's around. what happens when you smoke too many cigarettes. <laughs> Your arms get 50. stretchy. Maybe one of maybe one of our and listeners. Now I'm imagining will the painting with super stretchy <laughs> arms. Big long loopy arms like tied in a knot above yeah. her head. <laughs> so, I was like, is this Goodfellow? No, Goodfellow is not in these episodes. I know, I know you like him. I He's know, a sergeant I, later. I like him. He's a sergeant later, but I want to You see to one hand check. and you're like, is that no, Goodfellow? Is the it sergeant, Sid? we see all of him. He's an older gentleman. Okay. Okay. It's not Sid's it's, hand either. It's not, not <laughs> Sid's hand. <laughs> In the credits, Sid's hand, played by <laughs> Sid. <laughs> a mannequin hand. Yes. The cat gets no credit. So. so Felicia, Mrs. M, and Father Brown go to the study. And Father Brown starts looking at Leonard's writing desk, figures out that he's left-handed, figures out that he could not have tied the noose, and starts to put things together and says to the other two, tells Mrs. M, gather everybody together. I want to talk to them. No one must be left alone. Then he and Mrs. M storm out of the room, leading, leaving Felicia alone with a twisted ankle. Now, Don't leave anybody alone. This is, and then they just leave her alone. This is the best written scene of the episode to me because it takes advantage of the medium. Because you can show Father Brown figuring this out while Mrs. M and Lady Felicia are bickering back and forth. Yes. So you have two things going on at once and you're keeping in your head, oh, they're bickering and you're listening to that. Over the tea not but being you're right. But you're watching Father Brown. Uncrumple paper. Uncrumple and- paper. Now, it's more filmic than it is television mm. because in television, usually in writing, you say what you're doing or do what you or say what you did almost right away. They would say, because why people, are you looking through Leonard's writing desk? What yes, are you trying to figure because out? Because people don't watch television as closely as they do movies. Yeah. But it's a piece of filmic things here that I, I actually enjoyed quite a bit. So we find out that Leonard could not have hung himself because of the way the knot is tied right over left. Yes. Which to me means if that's all it takes to throw suspicion onto somebody else, if you are going to take your own life and you want somebody else to get blamed, tie the knot with the other hand. 
Now, tie it upside down and then flip it around. We later learned the person who hung Leonard, though Leonard was already dead because he had committed suicide, mm-hmm. was the lawyer. Yes. And he did this. Well, he says, I murdered Leonard. And Violet says, are you sure? Because <laughs> I really want it to be Martha. Yeah. So you might, are you So wrong? he does it because he thinks Martha will eventually do it. Mm. And he's afraid Martha will do yeah. it. He's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He works for a big firm mm-hmm. that may have been created in the 15th century. <laughs> Is he not like a detail-oriented <laughs> person? He's still a human. Yeah, but even if he has been practicing law for five hundred years, I would I would have <laughs> thought that he would have got a few more of the details correct. I think in the heat of the moment, I, I think he wasn't thinking. Yes, and just tried to do it as quick. I mean, he used a what a, a curtain rope, yeah, one a, a tie back for the drapes, yeah. And I think it's because he sees how distraught Martha is. Maybe. He doesn't know that Martha has just been told by her husband that the medicine he prescribed her while she was pregnant caused the death of their child. Yes. Like, she's just learned some really traumatic information. Yeah. Would that have pushed her to kill him? I don't think so. That's not the kind of person she is, I don't think. If she wanted to kill him, she would have killed him the moment he brought Violet home, because I certainly would have. And if I was a lawyer representing her, I would say maybe the police should not have interviewed everyone together in the same room, Mm -hmm. because they do, and everyone contributes to the interview. Yeah. I'm like, you need to separate these people. Find out where they were. No one is separated. No, just But if you separate everybody, the principals can't be there to comment on your testimony. Right. So Leonard left the house to Martha, but everything else goes to Varma. And he says he's going to donate it to a charity, which we later find out is true. Yep. And Harris kills, thinks he kills Leonard because, like you said, he's afraid Martha's going to do it. Yeah. He loves Martha. And I think he thinks Leonard deserves it. And then we have a scene that is Academy Award worthy. Oh, yeah. The conversation between Father Brown and Martha in her room is, it's tragic and heartbreaking, but it is so well done. So well done. Completely wrong for this show. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they probably looked at that and went, that's not the way we want to go. I dare somebody to watch that scene, especially when Father Brown says Olivia. Yeah. And she says, I never hear anybody say her name. Yeah. And he says it again. I dare somebody to watch that scene and not tear up. Yeah. It is extremely effective. It's just... But it's not the Father Brown show that we know and love. It's a bit heavy for this show. But Mm. it is very well done if you're going to do this storyline. I'll give them that. We have also learned an important plot and character detail. Mrs. M sucks at checkers. (laughs) (laughs) Varma's like... (laughs) He's just jumping, jumping, jumping. (laughs) Quadruple king me. And he goes, beginner's luck. (laughs) Beginner's luck, yeah. You mean... That's the tone for the rest of the show. Playing against a moron's luck. Yeah. We also learned that Lady Felicia has a level of patience and toleration that we have not seen before because she voluntarily offers Violet to stay with her until she can reach her parents. Yes. And I don't care how big her house is, Violet is going to eat the scenery in their house. (laughs) Yeah. 
I wouldn't want her in my no. house for five minutes. So just to clean off the, the rest of the slate, Leonard commits suicide, and then the lawyer tries to kill him, not knowing he's dead already. Right. That's what we're, we're fairly sure that's what happened. Yeah. They say that they have to have a toxicology report to prove that's what happened, and that if that is what happened, Harris will probably get away with it. Nothing, they'll have to release him because you can't be imprisoned for killing somebody who's already dead. Yes. And the wife is going to kill herself, but Father Brown stops her. Yes. And then Father Brown has a nice, quick conversation with Varma where he says, I misjudged you. And they. And Varma's clearly willing to take care of Martha and help her. Yes. He turns out to be a wonderful person mm-hmm. who's going to give the money that he inherited to charity. Lepers. And cares about the people who Leonard left behind. Yep. I think he's a wonderful person. I, lo- I love when Mrs. M mentions the bo- the girl guides. And <laughs> Lady, Lady Felicia's, Felicia's like, I was more interested in Boy Scouts. I was Scouts. more interested in Boy Scouts. <laughs> well, and Violet's letting her true character show by blowing her nose on her Madonna gloves. Yeah. She's so tacky. And they have a little funeral. So best corpse, we all we have is Leonard. Yep. Not very impressive, but we don't have any other options. No. Let's talk about after the credits, because I think there's some interesting things here. <laughs> there are some interesting things. We know that Varma is going to help Martha. So there's a little funeral that mm-hmm. happens, and Olivia gets her name on the gravestone, mm-hmm. which is what should happen. Yeah, Do you think she spreads? I thought it was where they buried their last cat. Yes. The first time I saw it, until, you know, you understand what happened. Did Are those Lenny's ashes yes. that she puts? Okay. Yeah. Okay, and and I think it's, again, the world's most liberal Catholic priest because he speaks in Latin and Varna speaks in Sanskrit mm-hmm. or Hindu. And I, I think that was a nice way to end things. I do too. And I do think that it's, it's believable that Varma and Martha will get along. So he, Lenny leaves her the house mm-hmm. and the grounds, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So that's a fair amount of money. Or just a great big expense. But I also think Pharma would be like... We need to set aside enough money to take care of this place. Would you like me to stay on as the gardener? Yeah. You know, I don't know how he knows about this leprosy charity since he came from India with Leonard, but that's okay. I think that instead of giving all the money to charity, that they'll maybe set up an orphanage or something. I think they'll probably do something with children. Mm -hmm. So. Will Violet's parents want her back? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if I would. <laughs> They're probably happy to get rid of her. I had a question also about, okay, so Violet goes back with her parents and maybe goes to a finishing school or finishes a year of college or something and meets another young, nice man and has to explain to him her what she's been doing for the last year. <laughs> well, I lived at an estate. Mm-hmm. And a man there was painting me naked, and I had an affair with him, and wrote really bad poetry. And then he while could, his wife was in the house, and then but then he killed himself. Then he killed himself. But another guy tried to kill him. To kill. Like no one is going to last through that first date. No, no, no. Nobody's going to make it through that story. Pew. Uh, do her parents take her back? Yes, of course, because that's a parent's job. Is it? Yes. Maybe they send her away to a school. Maybe. Will Harris go to jail? I think I think Harris... Could they charge him with interfering with a dead body? Yes. He'd have I, to know that he was dead. I think because he's a member of the court, he's going to get a suspended sentence because the judge would know him probably. Yeah. 
and say, or his firm. But that might hurt his reputation. They've been around since 1066. (laughs) So So, uh, I think it would hurt his reputation. Like, I don't think he might be a lawyer anymore that goes to court. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think he's definitely... He'd be a specialist on how to kill a dead body. Now, what if they have any clients what's like that. not going to happen <laughs> is he's not going to get together with Martha. Martha, Martha oh, gosh, no. Because he wants to, and she will have nothing no. to do with it. Gosh, her. no. Yes. No. Because whether he knew thing. it or not, I mean, yeah. he, he was trying to murder her husband. Yes. And she did love Leonard. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know he's, why. He's broken scum, but. I, I realize you've had a baby. Even if you had the most perfect, wonderful, gorgeous baby. Oh, I'm going to India for three months. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. No. Before she's even home from the hospital. No, he's right out. Bad dude. Mm-hmm. Not a good well, player. Well, he's just weak. Yeah, he's very weak. Oh, on that happy note, that's the end of the wrong shape. I'm kind of glad it's over. The title. It's bad. Why is it title? Uh, I'm glad we're getting through these ones that are original Father Brown stories because they're kooky and bonkers. Mm-hmm. Next, we have season one, episode four, The Man in the Tree. Is it more fun than this one? I think so. <laughs> Wouldn't anything be? I think so. More but, fun. So on the twentieth, we have season one, episode four, "The Man in the Tree," mm-hmm. and then on the twenty seventh of November, we have our second remix episode, and we got some ideas about how to remix the episodes a little better from the Reddit folks. And thank you. It will be season one, episode five, "The Eye of Apollo." Mm-hmm. The culty cult cult. Culty cult cult. <laughs> It's not as good as the Midsummer Cult. No, the Oblong Society. <laughs> no, the first one. Oh, the first one. <laughs> and they have the pyramids on their heads and everything. <laughs> She's, the medium is channeling the Roman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Leviticus Rictus or whatever his name is. <laughs> well, and then there's the Poirot, the mirror one, mm-hmm. where the wife is also. That's the one with... Uh, um, the dog, what's his name? Robert? No, no, no. It's it's not the one with the dog. It's oh. the one with the the mirror that he gets outbid at the first. Oh, that's right. And they go to his house and that's that guy a different gets killed. One. Yeah, that's a different one. <laughs> this is what happens, people. People, you watch too many murder shows and they all get muddled up in your head. You can find Mystery Maniacs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and email. And we have a subreddit. And YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe. It helps us. It helps more people find us. Helps more people find us. Until then. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. She went to Lady Felicia's, Lady Felicity's finishing school. Okay. Was it her? Stop. Yeah. Back up. Felicia. Stop. Her name's Felicia. And no. Okay. Then there's. So a, do you want to start that over again? Yes.